0: Welcome to the third episode of Wemmick Talks. I'm really excited about the people we have here today. We have got the amazing Joe Black. We also have the awesome Lynn, one of our choir leaders. And we also have Angel and Rico on the call. So hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Yeah, so really excited. Today we are talking about one thing that these three have in common is they all have some form of training or experience working in theatre or the arts in general so yeah we're here to discuss that tell us more guys where to start well apart from
1: you know where we're coming from which has been quite a a weird year and has put a stop to everything been working in the arts in the industry so I come my background is in musical theatre surprise (laughs) (laughs) um I must say it's quite in my come might sound as a bit of a obvious thing but it's quite an exciting thing to do musical theater acting in general did
2: you do a training course for musical theater um yeah so
1: I I initially doubled in theater and musical theater during my teens um, in high school here in Italy and then I ended up deciding when I was about 26 after a uh, after doing an amazing uh, run of rent here in Italy with a semi-professional company, I decided this might be the way to kill two birds with one stone. So, moving to the UK, which had been my my dream for quite a long time, and in the, at the same time training. So, I auditioned for a foundation course at ArtEd, and I got in. And then that was a year long. Was a part-time course um was a year-long course and then during the year i decided to you know while i was while i was in london why not um audition for other courses professional courses so i ended up auditioning for uh, london school of musical theater applied for Mountview for the ma and then i also auditioned for guildford school of acting um, for their ma course which i um ended up getting um getting a place on and to embark on it the year after. And yeah, the MA was the hardest year of my life just because there is so much to do. Like the, you know, the training it's just all condensed into one year. What year did you train at GSA? So I was there for the academic year of 2013 2014. Yeah, I was just there for a year. I was actually in the same year, the, the, the year I was there was the first year of one of the Queens from six. So she started there as well. Yeah, she's playing Anne Boleyn at the moment. Courtney Bowman. It was it it was fun to see like a lot of people then after just going on to great um, onto doing great things. And so yeah, that was about yeah was nearly six years ago now. Well, seven. (laughs) And um, time flies. Just out of curiosity,
3: Enrico, Mm -hmm. um, how did you find the arts ed course? Only that I trained on that same course 11 right, years right.
1: ago so i did um i don't know if it was the same that you did but it was a part-time evening course it was like three three nights. yeah so three nights a week i found it interesting because of course you know i took courses in italy before or uh, acting or just your dance courses i had time to um prepare for lessons prepare for you know for anything that was that was requested by the teachers in the course at the same time it was interesting because i had the time to actually think to actually absorb all the information especially for dance because i i always say that i'm a mover but not a dancer I do like to dance so um, it was interesting to have the time to absorb all the information and kind of like I think that that really helped me to then that really made a difference in my audition for GSA Mm. so it was interesting to see to have that feel of what training was about and how it felt like what about you how was your experience I
3: well I remember when I trained on the course. I found it quite hard because at the time I was young. I was I started when I was 19, going on 20. And it was my sort of first experience of training at a proper drama school. Where I thought, whoa, this is completely different to how I did it at college. When I was at college, it was um the way of the the way the course was organized and the training was completely different. But then when I went into arts ed, I remember the teachers just giving me like loads and loads of feedback on my presentations on my songs or my monologues. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, this is, uh, this is something I proper need to work on here. And at some points I found it a little bit overwhelming, Aww. but at the same time, it, gave me a good understanding on how you should do your drama training.
2: So Joe, how did you feel by the time you completed your course from when you first started there? Did you feel a lot more confident?
3: I felt like a bit of confidence had started increasing. However, I didn't get into any of the drama schools I wanted to at the time. So then I... I'd audition for PPA which was another two-year preparation course and that also gave me a bit more of an understanding and a bit more sort of training into the body to be able to to be able to sustain what was coming in the future.
2: Did you manage to have agents come to see you during that time?
3: Not uh, not during the foundation courses no However, afterwards I trained at the Erdang Academy and did the three-year musical theatre diploma, and agents came to watch us in our third-year shows.
2: Lynn, tell us about what training you've had. Right, well, I actually went, I say, went into the business quite late because I was a biology technician and I was looking to change my career. I grew up uh, listening to stories from both of my parents who were performers but I couldn't actually afford to go to the local dance school when I was a child. So I think it must've always been in my blood. And my brother was at a theater arts college in Liverpool and he suggested that I would come along for a trial week, which was both terrifying and and absolutely amazing. And by the end of the week, um, they offered a place to me and I accepted and I did a three-year theater arts course And I also did my teaching diploma in speech and drama. So after that, I was offered a position at the college, which I love. I was actually teaching from children to adults. And during that time I worked on getting my equity card, which allowed me to work in television, films and theater. But I also felt that it was important for me to understand and experience being in the business. How could I teach people? And I know there are many good teachers out there who are incredible and don't need to have performance under their belt. But I felt it was important for me to experience it in order to teach others what the business was like, um, how to audition for things, uh, what kind of barriers they may come across, and what are the plus points of performing. So um, I did some work in Liverpool for a while, got myself an agent and did some theatre and TV. And then I moved to London, and I started auditioning for lots of things.
1: Nice. Um, and what kind of what kind of things for you did you go for, like in terms of auditions? Once once in London.
2: Well, acting I think was more my forte, and like yourself, Enrico, I, I always call myself a mover, not a dancer, even though I'd, I'd had three years of training. Um, I think I because I had such a love of musical theatre. I started to audition for that and I realized that I needed to hone my skills. So I went to the Actors Centre. I became a member there. I did lots of singing lessons and I remember going for one audition in particular. And have you heard of Louise Gold? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. She's been in Mamma Mia and many other things. Um, I went for an open audition, my first open audition, and I was in a very long queue ready to be seen and... <laughs> Louise Gold walked, we all knew who she was. Louise Gold walked past us into the room, into the audition room. And I thought, well, that's it. (laughs) This woman will get that part no matter what. We're all up for the same part. So what chance do we start? She did get the part. I don't remember what the musical was. But then it really made me think, this is what I'm up against. I have no experience in musical theatre. So I need to, A, audition more and B, do more practising.
1: That's a good point. Um, yeah, I really feel like even though, you know, you have training or you don't, there is, I feel like every performer, everyone that gets into this industry or tries it, you know, they everyone comes to the realization that, you know, that you've just described, that you're like, oh, this is what I'm up against. And, oh, or you find yourself, you know, in a room full of people doing a, even just a movement call. And you realize, oh, I'm a piece of wood. Why am I here? You know, like that sort of things. And you think like there's so, there are so many things going on through your mind, you know, at any given point that it's quite, um, you start to realize why, you know, of course, like need to have passion, you need to have fun in doing this thing. Do any of you get the feeling
3: when you're, say, dancing or moving that your body feels like you're not doing well? But then you watch yourself again on a video and then you did better than what you did, what you think you've done. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. I think if it's not your strength, I think you'll always be very critical
0: of yourself.
2: It's interesting. We've all had training and I know there are people out there who haven't had any training. And I I think it must be even harder for them. Hmm. So I think um, you. You are your own worst critic, but I think one of the most important things is to have self-belief. Yeah. That you are probably better than you think you are.
3: I think people get this idea that they have to go in being good because they think that in their minds that the, the teachers are, go- are either going to say he was good or he was not. When really you should go in there not worrying about the panel at all and then just enjoying the experience of it.
1: I totally agree uh, with that. Um, I was actually thinking the same the same thing earlier, actually. You know, it's all about remembering to have fun and just show what you can do at the moment because it's that that's what it is. It's a moment in time and that moment doesn't define you. Mm-hmm. You know, if anything, it defines you for those 10 minutes when you're minutes or to an hour when you're in the room but yeah you know as long as you have fun and you remember that I think you kind of need to just just kind of like shut your brain and just do what you're told to do. Yeah that's what um, drama school teaches you as well and especially
3: um, PPA they also would prepare you for drama not only drama school auditions but for future auditions as well But they give you a sort of guideline where you should bring the right sort of material, mainly based on what you can do. But when it comes to audition for auditioning for the shows, you have to research the show. I remember when I did the Phantom of the Opera audition a couple of years ago, everyone was bringing in classically love songs. The audition panelists was like, "That's the." 100th love song we've heard so far and, I'm, and it kind of gets you thinking that maybe you should bring something opposite to that because that's what they're going to remember the most because the panel will probably expect to hear a certain material if you sort of try and meet in the middle, bring in something from that time period but have like a different sort of genre then it might make it rememberable.
2: Having um, a song that suits your voice Mm. and that's in the right key for you because you could pick up sheet music and you may need to have it transposed into the right key. Uh, Enrico, have you ever been for an audition where something unexpected happened?
1: So, um, nothing unexpected, I would say. However, I always feel like most of my auditions have always been a mixture of dread and an and <laughs> excitement because uh, of course as as joe rightly said you you know you re- you research the the show and you know that maybe you know the show you've seen the show many times however you're lucky enough to be seen for a show that is not quite what you would expect to be to be up for so like you're kind of taken aback and you're like what am i gonna do so i remember for example my i think. That was my, actually, the first audition straight out of drama school. It was for Les And I was like, it was the quickest audition I've ever had in my life. As you said, as you rightly said, Lynn, um, you know, nerves kick in. Um, so you start doubting yourself a little bit. So it was just like, you know, okay, I get in, you know, be nice to everyone. Say hi to the panel. Just, you know, have a little chat with the, with the, with the pianist, making sure that you say the right things to the pianist, so the pianist is on your side. I tried to focus on enjoying the whole process since this was the first time but then i just sang my song and they were like okay thank you very much that was lovely um have a good day i'm like okay bye that was just mainly you know first edition so i, I was just focusing on understanding what was going on and trying not to like faint um but yeah so like there was that and then of course you know in general i would say nothing strange nothing crazy i was never asked anything crazy or or weird by um you know the casting panel or or the director but i i was like always a bit like i was just making things awkward for myself in a way because i because you're always there like i i kind of know what i'm doing but i'm not sure if i should do it i'll just do it anyway at the end of the day as a performer you kind of you know you you may think that you're making a fool of your Self, which would be—it's a horrible thing. You know, everyone thinks, "Oh, I don't want to make a fool of myself." But as a performer, you kind of have to, and just that's part of the job. I find I'm actually quite, um, quite relieved. I was quite relieved in finding it and finding out that a lot of people feel the same. You know, despite being performers, we are always a little bit very much self-aware. Don't make a fool of yourself, don't make a fool of yourself. Okay, just do this. But yeah, apart from that, just good fun.
2: What about you? Have you ever been asked by a director to do anything ridiculous or something that you felt wasn't in character?
3: I was told to tell a joke. And that's what happened. The guy was the guy was like, okay, what what why are you interested in the course? And then I said what I had to say. And he was like, Can you tell us a joke, please? And then what do I go and do? I go and say one of jokes said by Michael McIntyre, the comedian. And it was the joke where he said, using words in the English language to mean drunk. So for example, it would be like, um, how was your night last night? I went, I got utterly gazebo. And funny enough, they actually laughed at that. But they actually found that quite funny. I remember walking out the room and the um the director of the course was like I like gazeboed and I thought <laughs> yes done it but then later on I was told that you shouldn't really use jokes that have been said by another comedian just because just because they'd rather you come up with your own imagination so there was another time when I I was auditioning for my third year show and again they were asking me to tell jokes and I came up with the joke of what do you get if you cross a sports car with a girl's swimming costume and it's a Lamborghini and they did laugh at that and funny enough I had made up that joke so
1: it it also shows that um, if you use your imagination it could work. Absolutely I mean that's part of you know that's the whole thing about being performers, we do have a big imagination and we can come up with things, but it's not always easy at all.
2: Improvisation, I think, is a real asset. We did a lot of that when I was at college, so if you can improvise on the spot, then it's really helpful. The the most ridiculous thing I was ever asked to do by a director was when I was performing in an adaptation of The Seventh Seal by Ingmar Bergman, and I played the woman with Baby, and he kept uh, changing the script, adding bits and pieces to my character. And then um, I think we performed in Holland Park and he not only asked me to walk through a bed of nettles and I was barefooted, um, but, and I did tell him there were nettles there, but he said, no, that's the entrance I want you to make. So I want you to walk through that, exactly. So uh, then he said, the next day, he said, I have a great idea, instead of carrying a doll, I would like you to have a pig's head wrapped up in a blanket. Sure, why not? Exactly. So I asked him why, and he just said, I think it would add an edge to the character, and that made no sense at all. And right. that was that was the last day I worked with him.
3: Sounds <laughs> yes. like something Oxford University would tell you to do on their graduation day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like slightly on the odd on the weird side of exactly. things but i'm like yeah we can try that but I'm not sure if it makes any difference
3: have any
0: um, you had any terrifying auditions or any really funny stories
3: yes it was when i was at ppa i um i hadn't got into drama school when i was young i thought all the choices that i wanted to go to have declined declined their offer to me And I thought PPA was the last resort. What happens? I go in, I go and sing my song. And as I'm singing the song, I see the panel making notes and stuff. As As I'm going along, the nerves just slowly creep up my body to the point where at the end of the song, the note doesn't come out. I was mortified. That is proper classic um, audition goes wrong type.
2: Yeah, happened to everybody.
3: Yeah. Yeah, all part of the game as well. Also as well, that was a, the end had quite a big belt as well with nothing coming out. It's just the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody.
1: No, I totally get it. I've had that a few times as well, but I still remember specifically. So I was... So my agent calls me one day and says like, oh, great. I've got to an audition for Aladdin on the West End. I'm like, okay, g- great. Okay. So I start panicking. There were loads of things to learn. Like there were five sides that they gave me, two songs from the show. And then I had to bring also a song on my choice. So I was like, fine, go. I go with this song, my own. It's great. I'm, You know, I'm comfortable with it um so the day comes i had about like four you know i had a four i had four days to prepare which was which in you know industry standards it's quite a long time so i go in you know okay cool that's great it was for standby jafar and sultan so you know okay cool that's quite it's quite fun i go in and i'm like first thing they asked me they were all extremely nice which was like that put me at ease straight away which was great so i was like "Ah, cool great i can relax a little bit however the first thing they asked me is to sing my song of my choice and i go in and i halfway through it which you know it's like it's a minute and a half cut so halfway through it i forget the lyrics and i'm like i'm sorry can i start again and i was like (laughs) and from there i was like okay fine i'm just i'm yeah i just kind of like terrified myself you know hammered my own toe by myself but the rest of the edition was, you know, apart from that uh, terrifying beginning, the rest of the edition was great. They were like, the, the panel was was really nice and they put me at ease. They asked me like, if I needed anything, and, you know, do you want the sides? Do you need this? Do you need that? And I was like, thanks. You're so nice. Uh, literally at some point I was like, thank you. You're all so nice. And I was like, <laughs> shut up. But yeah, But I, yeah. I,
2: My most terrifying audition was um, for Blood Brothers before it came to the West End. And uh, I I walked into the room in a a slight haze. I was still at drama college and I was a third year student. So I was allowed to audition. And I went with five of the guys from uh, my my year group and they were all in before me. And I went in and I didn't look for some reason. I didn't look at the person who was sitting at the side. I just there was somebody behind a desk and the MD. So I I did two short uh, drama pieces, one with a Liverpool, I'm from Liverpool, so um, that was easy, but um, I didn't have a a huge accent when I was talking ordinarily, and I think I should have stuck with Liverpool accent all the way through. Anyway, I did my two acting pieces, and then they said, right, could you turn and could you sing your song, Um, you know, give the sheet music to the MD, which I did, and I looked to the side, and Willie Russell was sitting there and I froze and so I started my song and my head went to a completely different space I thought Willie Russell is in the room with me and my song I stopped halfway through and I did exactly the same as you and Rico can I start again and I did I didn't get it but I was like why did I even look at the man completely starstruck Willie Russell
1: yeah. Those are the kind of things that kind of you know stop you on your tracks and you're like, why didn't you make yourself, you know, visible before? Yes. <laughs> Just like why didn't I realize before? Focusing again on positives, because that's what I always try to do. What were your favorite auditions? Or if there was anything, you know, like either a favorite audition or something that really got you pumped, even though you didn't get You you didn't get the role or anything, but something that you really, really enjoyed. I remember when
3: I worked, it was before I worked at Madame Tussauds doing the Sherlock Holmes experience and the alien escape experience. I remember, I remember the day when I auditioned and the first round was workshopping characters and working on levels of, of how to portray them. So like level one, you start off sort of being yourself, going up to level 10, when you go full out there. And that's really common in Fright Night rehearsals, as well as Merlin entertainment auditions and rehearsals and stuff, because they work in a different way, because it's more immersive and you're kind of more sort of playing with characters. So it's very different to the musical theatre industry so the first round was playing was playing with characters and I and I knew one of them was alien because you had to act like uh something's growing inside you to the point where it sort of bursts out of your back like they do in the films and I always when when that when they tell me to do that I always imagine Superman being... You know, Superman is weak against kryptonite. Well, I always imagine myself being weak against kryptonite and having a piece of that stuck inside my body. That always helps. And then um, I wasn't expecting to get get through the first round anyway. But then they came in and said, can I have Joseph and and so-and-so, so-and-so, and-so, and-so. And then... It got to the next bit where we had to read our scripts and do work sh- and do like workshop, y sort of like game, and that was always fun because you had it was fun to sort of interact with other people as well. So it's like, for example, throwing a ball and saying your dream role, and then for, tossing it to the next person. It would just go round and round, sort of in zigzags, and that was always fun.
2: One is Les Mis. And it was for the Manchester production. And uh, I got through the first round. And you know when you see the casting directors and they're nodding and they're smiling, you're thinking, have I got this? Have I got this? I didn't. (laughs) But just in that moment, when I thought I may have it, I was just elated, absolutely elated. And the second one was when um, I had a call out of the blue to go for an audition for Educating Rita the film, and I didn't know how big it was going to be. And I was asked to dress very dowdy, which I did. And I went along and Lewis Gilbert, who was the producer, he was in the room and I did a script reading and I got through and they said, okay, can you come back? But can you dress up as if you're um, you like big earrings and very bright colored dress? And I went in and I read with Sam Kidd, who was one of the actors in it. And they were trying to pair people up basically. So I knew I hadn't got the main part, but I thought I'm in with a chance for the next one. And I was asked to go back one more time and I still didn't get it. But the feel of I might be when I did realize what I was going for, it was amazing. I thought I could be in a film. I could have a yeah. really big part in a film. But so, yeah, I was absolutely elated. And, I, and it makes you also feel when you get a recall, you feel. I, I think I'm doing OK. You know, I think um, I must have some talent. If I'm getting through hopefully I do but it gives you that little bit more confidence I think when you get a recall
3: I know what you mean because um at the time because you you feel like you're doing so well which is what people should be feeling in a way because then it kind of boosts up their confidence a little bit that you feel like you're doing well that you could be in for a chance but then you
1: can't always guarantee that even just, you know, being, you know, getting getting an invitation to audition is exciting enough. <laughs> I always feel, like, extremely excited and then, oh, my God, oh, my God, and then, of course, start worrying because, of course, you know, anxiety because it's kind of, you know, um, I feel it's everything is, like, all connected. So you can't, you can be, you, you need to be excited, but at the same time there's a part of you that is just going to be, you know, on uh, just on that tangent, saying uh, yes, but what if? And then you kind of just have to fight it off, which is another big thing, in my opinion. Kind of like you know, whole anxiety surrounding s- surrounding this whole this whole industry, because you kind of, as we said, was, as we said before, we always kind of, you know, there are moments where we doubt ourselves, and that kind of leads to a little bit of like stage fright in a way and do you guys feel like anxiety has ever affected you in a way that you were you know kind of like took up a big part of your of your life as a performer or just you know going through like small amounts of time just feeling like constantly anxious or just you know you know what i mean I
3: think some <laughs> yeah.
0: people some people get anxiety dreams does anyone experience oh, yeah that?
3: yeah i've had that before I. I've had dreams where I've gone into the audition room not knowing anything and forgetting everything that I'm supposed to bring with me. And that's just a frightening, that's just a frightening dream for me because you have that sort of anxiety within you. And it's normal with actors that you feel like you're going to mess up all the time.
2: Yeah, I didn't yeah, get you- anxiety dreams, but I, you know, this idea of having butterflies in your stomach, there were times when I was about to perform and walk out on the stage and I, my stomach would turn over and I would think, will I forget anything? Will I forget my lines? And will I be too nervous and I won't be able to perform as well as I could. And then um, I, I used to just sort of visualize myself getting through it and hearing the applause. And that was one way I got through. And the other one was to um, do my breathing exercises. And at the same time, um, reassure myself that I could do this at the point that I was standing here in the wings ready to go on meant that I was able to do that so I think constantly doing that really really helped me and even in choir you know there have been moments when um, with Western Musical Choir when when I first uh, I've been out of the business for quite some time and when I came to the choir I'd lost a lot of confidence so beginning to perform again was a big thing for me. And I felt, again, taking myself out of my own comfort zone and performing on a regular basis brought that confidence back so much. Um, and now it's, it's, again, it's second nature now to perform. It's a, an absolute joy. But there have been occasions when we've been doing quite big performances or at Heart Radio or uh, West End Live when I felt those butterflies again. Will I forget anything? So, but the joy of performing has is, is come back because of choir, which is great. So all people in the choir know who have said, I'm really nervous about performing for the first time, or even singing in the room with people. Um, you know, I can totally reassure them that I've been there myself. And uh, even having had the performance experience I have, it can still happen. So the more you take yourself out of that comfort zone and you've got tremendous support around you, but the more you do it, the better you will become and the more able you will be able to control your nerves. Yeah, I that's- agree
1: with you, Lynn. That, um, that was, you know, I I came from, when I, when I joined choir, I came from like a similar situation. I was like, I decided to take a break from, because uh, I was going through, you know, anxiety just in life normally. And so I was like, I'm taking a break from trying to, you know, get out there. And while I was doing that, it was like, but I still want to do something that will keep me, you know, that will keep me trained in a way. And yeah, as you said, choir helped a lot with it. And in terms of, you know, feeling butterflies in your stomach, having that like adrenaline rush, um, I find that it helps, that trumps whatever anxiety or like negative thoughts you have, because at the end of the day, you know, if it's in your blood, you know, it's there. You're still going to enjoy it, even if, even though you're feeling, you're feeling terrified. You're feeling a bit, you're a bit on edge with it. But yeah, as you said, right, to, to whomever is listening, um, if, you have, if you're have, if you worried about performing with choir, don't be. Because it's one of the most amazing things that you can do for yourself, for your, you know, for your own joy for your own just like you know it's always good to try new things and get out of your comfort zone you're correct Lynn
3: yeah I um, ever since when I left drama school I remember um, not not having an agent coming up to me and wanting me to, wanting to sign me on and I wasn't I didn't get any jobs out of it I left drama school just completely flat and that sort of made me lose a lot of confidence in a way and i spent the summer not really doing anything acting wise. And then I've had to sort of build myself up again after my first year of Fright Nights because I, that, that was just a completely different experience for me and everyone was lovely and everyone was just, everyone was brilliant. The team I worked with was, were absolutely amazing. Ever, ever since I've done it, I've done Fright Nights a few times now as well as other Merlin attractions, such as Two Swords and Chesington, have you, whatnot. And it's kind of given me an idea of what the industry could be like. And also as well, it's um, having to work my way into where I want to go into in my own sort of way is also making me realise that you don't always have to start in the west end as a kid to get into the industry and you don't always have to go to drama school before you get into the west end which then leads me to my next question in your opinion where would you start to work your way up to where you want to go into in the industry
2: depends on um if i think it's good to probably get some training under your belt if you can you don't have to apply to drama school you might be able to do courses at places even like city lit offer performance courses now um I know that I as Enrico did he backed up his training with going to other places and I did a summer course at RADA um I did some work at Guildhall and also I I joined the Actors Centre and they They provide a huge amount of workshops and courses, and will help to give you the training that you need if you want to do voiceovers or some TV or theatre work. Um, Also, students and graduates could join British Actors Equity, which is a union, um, and you can have a membership with them, and they give a lot of help and advice. And also, if you become a member of Equity, then. You will also get the benefits of having people who will back you up for negotiations over contracts or or protect you should you need it. Um, So there's one way, there's training. The other one, I think, is experience. So you can gain experience in different ways. There are an amazing number of Amdram groups out there that you can join that do musical theatre or acting. Um, And then you will learn not only to be part of an ensemble, but you'll also learn about the craft of acting or singing or performing on stage. And then I think the other thing is networking with people. So if you if you chat to others in the industry or lots of people in the choir are performers or have performed or are thinking of performing, so, you know, we already have a, a large group of people that will give you advice or help or support should you need it to help you on your way. It really depends on the kind of industry you want to get into.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I think from my personal experience, just like, start, you know, getting out there, starting, trying things out, that is always the best way to kind of understand... What is the best way for you to to go forward you know like if, and if you ultimately want to get into the industry and also once you try to get into the industry you realize there are so many levels of of it it's not just you know it's not just hollywood or, or west end or broadway um, there are great great productions of you know in smaller theaters there are great productions of you know of smaller companies different things all sorts of things and it's a good way to to learn as well as soon as you hear something like a title that you don't know um just write it down for later and then have a little google like thank the universe for for this amazing like for google and the internet where you know you can find most things nowadays but uh, yeah also like fringe festivals go to one of those I I have been trying to go to the Edinburgh fringe festivals festival for mm. for years now and then for one reason or another still haven't been able to but you know next time it's possible to go I must go because I hear lots of stories and lots of stories and lots of you meet lots of people and also one you know about meeting people and about doing doing Amdrum because of course even in Amdrum, you think, of course, sure, it's amateur, it's an amateur production, but most of the times there are loads of people who have performed before who have had, you know, like like who have had a little bit of a stint in uh, in the performing arts and they just want to keep up with doing it, but without the stress of having of that being their profession. Um so yeah, one very important thing is also to get to know people, to um yeah so networking is is very important it's just most important thing to do just be nice to everyone because you'll never know who you know who who you have in front of you um which again good rule of thumb for daily life be nice to everyone uh not just because you want to be in a western show or, or or a show altogether um but yeah networking is great and make yourself known if you're interested in doing something if you're interested in working with someone or doing something just you know jot down some ideas that's the thing
0: I think networking is really important I really agree with all the points you all said I know um the school I went to so I went to drama school I went to Sylvia Young and mm. um, I do know that they also do like evening adult classes for drama singing and different mm. types of singing as well um, I know they have one class which is purely on Kind of performance and confidence, and then they have another type of class which focuses it, focuses it, which, which where the focus is more on um, technique. But it's also really cool because the people that teach those classes they're MDs and they do other work as well. Um, one of the choir MDs, Matt Abrams, also teaches at Silver Young. The MDs they work in the West End, you've got uh, is it Ewan Mallins, he's really good as well, and they've all got their own different style. The same thing with the choir MDs as well. You know, they do other work. So just getting to know people. And um, even something as as small as just being socials. you know, like going to overtures and meeting the people who work there, right? So we've, you know, connecting with people like Ray, who runs overtures and, you know, he has a lot of connections and, you know, being friends with them on Facebook and seeing the things that they post out on social media, there's so many ways to, to get involved with stuff. That's true, yeah.
3: I'd also like to make a point on um, amateurs, as amateur groups as well, and the, um, the choir. Um, I think people get it into their head that, they have to, that when they go to drama school, they feel like they have to get a professional job to try and get another professional job. And they have to just stick to it professionally when it doesn't really have to be a ca- Be the case. People shouldn't really stick their nose up over amateur groups because it gives you the stage experience. It's, it's something I should have done when I left drama school, but I should have looked into more into the amateur route just to keep the feeling of the of performing within your body and then you never know you could come across somebody in the industry who might want to sign you on and and also that's also part of why um, I joined choir as well because I wanted to I wanted to um, practice my singing skills but then you also as well I wanted to meet more people and you never know who you're gonna see so the only difference between professional and amateur is that one's paid and one isn't. So there's many, many ways that you can work it. But you just, if you keep having that sort of momentum to carry on doing what you're doing, then you're going to be all right.
2: Yeah, just on a final note, Joe, what would be your ideal dream role?
3: The Phantom in The Phantom
1: of the Opera.
2: Enrico, what about you?
1: I used to say the Phantom as well, but this was like years ago before realising that my voice was more suited for more modern musical theatre. Taking into consideration everything, I would be just extremely happy to be cast into any part in Wicked. Even just um, because I I love Wicked and I've seen it so many times already. I, you know, I'd be happy, honestly, just to be, just to to play Elphaba's father. That'd be fine (laughs) by me. Honestly, <laughs> the wizard uh, or the wizard, but yeah, you know, and like, I still got a few years ahead of me before playing that part, but yeah, the, the wizard would be great at some point. Uh, um, the wizard is Elphaba's father. Oh yeah. Well, no, well, you know, you know what I mean? Like Elphaba's father, inverted commas. That would be, that would, yeah, that would be fun. What about you, Lynn?
2: I think two things. Um, I would love to be in a, a historical drama, Something like a musketeer, where I could do some fencing and stage fighting. Two skills I've never been able to put to use after all the three years of training that I had. Um, So yeah, I'd love to do that. But I think if I could choose a musical, I'd go for a character role and I would go for Madame Thenardier in uh, Les Mis. That
1: would be fab.
3: I can really see you play Mother Superior, Lynn.
2: Mother Superior! Oh my God, yes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> You'd
1: be brilliant at that role.
2: If I had the voice, I would totally go for it. <laughs> Thanks, you. You'll,
1: you'll never know.
2: <laughs> Is anybody listening out there?
1: <laughs> you know, like, let's put manifestations out. You'll never know. That's why I <laughs> said it.
2: <laughs> I didn't expect that. Okay. <laughs> I think
0: that's the name of this episode. <laughs>
3: Mother Superior. Mother Superior, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I just get it into my head about, uh, I come across <laughs> people and I think, who could I cast them as?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that It would be Mother happens, Superior, is yeah. <laughs> not it?
2: That's hysterical. Oh my God, it made me cry.
1: Which I just wanted to say as well, um, just out there for anyone who's listening and who would like to have, more information about anything i think we you know i can speak for myself but i think i can also speak for joe and lynn we are happy to give to have you know a conversation with anyone who's interested in uh, having more tips like audition tips if they wanted to do more with their if they wanted to do more if they have any more questions i think we are all they can easily reach out uh, again you know we are like we all sing together in a choir, but this has actually t- turned out to be a community. Aww. So I think if anyone is out there and has got more questions, more you're more than welcome to reach out. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, definitely. My my door is always open if anybody ever has any questions or wants to have a chat about anything. It doesn't always <laughs> have to be just musical theatre, but it no. could be other things as well, because I've experienced snare mm-hmm. acting and immersive theatre as well. So feel free to ask away.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I I do know that there are a lot of people in the choir who who maybe somewhere sort of deep down kind of want to get more involved in this kind of stuff but maybe don't know where to start or so yeah. I'm um, always happy to help point people in the right direction. So yeah, that was really really helpful, really fun. Thank you all. Thank you. Well Thank you. Great. So yeah, that's a that's a wrap. For episode three, which I think I'm now going to call Mother Superior. <laughs> I hope yes. everyone has a really great weekend and we'll see you again next month. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.